Good morning, friends. Welcome to <laughs> What was that funny, Amanda? <laughs> Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church. My name is Uyan, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather to worship and praise our God together. Uh, Anna and Evan, uh, the mission is one of our favorite pieces. And then you had how great they are on top. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that gift. Uh, friends, wherever you may be joining us, whether it be in person or online, from home and where else, uh, you chose to be here with us. We're so grateful for your presence, especially if you are a relatively new or first-time visitor. Let us know of who you are. There's a physical hospitality pad here. You can also use the back of your bulletin, the QR code with your smartphone, and there's a little link on the virtual attendance sheet that you can connect with us. Let us know how we can pray for you to share more ministries of our church and to be in partnership together as we journey in faith as a family of God. I'm so grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Taylor. What else is going on today? Hello, it's so good to be in worship with you all today. Uh, we wanna always encourage you to check out the bulletin to see what's going on in the life of the church. One thing in particular we wanna draw your attention to is the Merry Midsummer Market. That's one of the ways that our church can prepare for Christmas, which I know feels really far off, but it's a way that we can be proactive in our ministry and our service within our community. So we encourage you to look into that. Another thing you notice and appreciate every Sunday that we always have beautiful flowers. Uh, this particular Sunday, those beautiful flowers were given as a gift to one of our ushers, our beloved usher, Jerry. And we want to remind you that being an usher is something that you are always invited to be a part of. That is such a special ministry, a beloved ministry of our church, and we want to encourage you that if you're feeling called towards hospitality, that that's a way that you can serve our church. You don't have to serve as long as Jerry, which has been 25 years, <laughs> um, but we would be happy for you to um, consider where God may be calling you. So let us continue on as a worshiping church together.
Church, let us continue to join our voices as we proclaim our truth together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is the part of the service where we come together in prayer and confess our sins together. Join me. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is Romans chapter 7, beginning with the 15th verse. I do not understand my own actions, for I, not, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. So then it is no longer that I do it, but sin which dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin which dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of the mind, and making me captive to the law of sin which dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. 
as Chain just read, Paul writes in verse 15, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate, I do. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. So it may be worth asking uh, for us, is Paul possibly being too hard on himself? Right? Paul, more than just about anyone that we read about in the Bible, he knows the law front and back, much like John Wesley, who also knew the law front and back. In fact, John Wesley had a, a meticulous many would say obsessive journaling where he would write down every actions and thoughts he had throughout the day. Uh, uh, he did this for a multitude of, of reasons, one of which was to discern his sins so as not to do those things, to be growing in his holiness. And people like Paul not only knew the law, he followed the law to the best of his abilities and beyond. So what is Paul getting at? Is his confession only limited to the X's and O's, kind of the to-do list of the laws and his inability to execute these things in his own life that he confesses here? I'm sure there's some truth to that. I think all of us can relate to that, where we know the A B, a, B, and C's of what we should do in any particular circumstances, but despite our knowing and our intention to do A, B, and C, we end up doing D, E, and F. Right? There's a dissonance of what we wanted to do and what we end up doing. Sure, that's true. But Paul not only speaks of this type of dissonance, but he's speaking to far more, right? There's something more than knowing what to do and not doing it. There's something more invisible, yet very clear in ways of our limitations and our ability to do some of these things to good effect. There is a dissonance. So my, uh, my first attempt at dating was in first grade. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but looking back, I think that's what I was planning on doing. I, I, uh, there was a girl uh, that was lovely. I don't remember her face. I certainly don't remember her name. I just remember being enamored with her, and it took me forever, it seemed like, to approach this said girl, and one day, I finally did. The fateful day came. I had it all planned out in my head. I knew exactly what I was going to say. I blocked the movements of my hands and my eyes and my lips. And as I got near her, this is what I, this is what I did. I punched her in the arm as hard as I could and yelled, you're it, and I ran away. <laughs> there was not a second date. That's it. I do not understand my own actions, for I do the things that I wish not to do. And I wish I could tell you that first grade was the last time where I experienced such a dissonance of what I 
thought I was going to do and doing something else altogether. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, I'm still plagued by the dissonance in my life, the disconnects, the dissonance between the initial directions and the end results, the dissonance between the way I desire to love and that love is eventually perceived by the other, the dissonance to act to care, but in due time, my actions causing harm. Can you relate to such dissonance in your life? There are times where I know what I should do, and I do those things, and destruction still happens. Brokenness still occurs. I think I see this more often now as a parent. I have good intentions, yet there are dissonance from me to my beloved kids. For Paul, the root of the problem uh, does not lie primarily in weak willpower or dim self-knowledge, knowing the law and doing the law. Rather, the problem is, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. The sin that Paul describes is not only our foolish behaviors, our faults, and our mistakes, but Paul would argue that sin has a life of its own. Despite what we know and do, despite our desires, however sincere these things may be, sin has a power of its own that distorts our self-will, our relationships to others. Paul would know this because Paul's the, the poster child of the very dissonance that he's describing, yes? Uh, Paul, in his uh, earlier days, before the conversion, when he was Saul, what was he known as by early Christians? He was known as a persecutor of the Christian church and its people. That's how he earned his name. Why did he persecute Christians was it because he wanted to be a mean guy no he was an expert persecutor precisely because he was an expert knower and a follower of the law as he understood them why was Ananias so hesitant to help Paul in the road to Damascus to healing of his sight when he when he was struck blind precisely because Ananias knew how devastating and cruel Paul had been, Saul had been, to Christians. He's lived this dissonance in his own life. Despite his goodwill and deep desire to follow the law and to love God, he caused great harm. Knowing his own story quite well, Paul writes, perhaps the words that we too can relate to, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver us, you and me, from this body of death, this existence that is full of dissonance and disconnect? Paul doesn't wait too long to answer his own question. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I of myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. 
but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul insists that we cannot resource ourselves from our own sins. Catch that? Paul says more self cannot heal the distorted self. To put it another way, cure to self-centeredness, self-harm, is not more self. We cannot heal ourselves when ourselves is the problem. What we need is help. What we need is a savior. What we need is a grace of Jesus Christ, Paul writes. What who will deliver me from this wretched body of sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Saint Ignatius writes, may the perfect grace and eternal love of Christ our Lord be our never failing protection and help. We need help. We need a Messiah. We need the Savior. Let me pivot just a little bit here. Not too much, but a little bit from our scripture. God's the source of our grace. And we often say in different places in church life together that we are called to be hands and feet of Christ. We are hands and feet of God's grace unto the world. But as we have just admitted and spoke of earlier, whether it be from Paul or even from my own story, despite knowing God's calling in my life to be the hand and feet of grace, there's deep and clear dissonance in my life. I have, through prayer and reflection, come to realize as I've grown older that despite, and I don't always have the best intentions anyways, <laughs> but I like to think that most of the time I do, that I have really good intentions to be hands and feet of Christ, the face of God's grace, gospel of Jesus, the good news, to be an instrument of reconciliation, instrument of healing, instrument of goodness unto God's world as God's servant. But to be perfectly honest, despite having proper desire, despite knowing proper actions, I still have, in reflection, know for a certainty that I've caused harm, that I was and still is very much imperfect to convey such grace, to be a messenger of hope. And though I wish to care, others have been harmed and wounded by me. Many of these folks uh, are no longer with me, some have died. Most of them are now far and away, whether it be my sibling, whether it be my parents, my friends, church members from years past. I no longer have a hand or real connections, tangible connection in their lives, but I pray for them. I pray for them still. I pray for strangers in their lives. I pray and trust that though I failed in so many different ways to convey God's grace, that those around those whom I love, wherever they may be, that they will encounter strangers who will be a far better fruitful, faithful 
messengers of God's grace and hope in their own lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know that at some point, all of us were strangers. All of us. Well, most of us. Maybe some of us. Well, even if you're family, at some point, you were strangers, yes? And I have to believe that at some point or another, perhaps others prayed for you that though you are no longer in the periphery of those who love you, that they pray for you, knowing that wherever you go, wherever you may be, that God will be with the strangers in your midst. That though I have failed to be a conduit of God's perfect grace, I have to trust that there are others, strangers, for those whom I love, who will be just that. And I hope that Myers Park United Methodist Church and the families that were within that we've been that strangers for you. I'll never forget, I, uh, I don't visit as much as I used to, Bill, actually, <laughs> actually but I used to uh, frequent nursing homes and care facilities and hospice quite often in my previous churches. And some of the members that I would visit uh, had Alzheimer's, dementia, advanced dementia. And some of the church members would say to me, Uyan, you don't really have to go visit so often. They don't even know that you're there. And if they do, they'll forget about you ever being there the moment you leave. And I thought about that a little bit. Because my grandmother also, who's still living on my father's side, has severe Alzheimer's. She's toward the end of her life. She finally was admitted to a care facility about a year ago. And I thought, whether it be my grandma or other family members who may be in similar situations in the near or distant future, I want to visit these folks as I would want others to visit my mom, my dad, my grandma. Yeah. I like to think this is something that we talk about within our staff gatherings, that we want to treat all those who enter the doors of our church, the physical door and the virtual door, whoever you may be. We want to care for you and love you as I would want others to love my brother, love my father, mother, my friends. Yeah? And though we may be at times in different seasons be imperfect, we pray that God in due time, that God's grace will be perfected through God's people. And we trust that God's grace is enough, that God's grace will always be enough. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. God ever-loving, we turn to you in uncertain times, trusting in your steadfast love for us. Where people are anxious about the future, where people feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities, where people fear conflict or violence in daily life, we pray that you would bring peace and hope and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, God of all compassion,
where people are lonely or isolated, longing for love, where people are trapped in unhealthy relationships, where people are grieving the loss of someone beloved. Bring courage and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, God of tender strength, where people feel pain in their bodies, in mind, or spirit, where illness has eroded hope, and where desperation for help fills each day, bring healing and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy, O oh God of trustworthy truth, where leaders work to guide communities to renewed life, where individuals strive to care for the earth and its vulnerable inhabitants, and where people stand up against policies or practices that are unjust, bring wisdom and hope, we pray, and let your kingdom come. Lord, in your mercy. God, in whom we live and move and have our being, where hope flickers, reunite its power. Shine the light of Christ's love into each life and renew our trust in you as we pray together the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We are so grateful for the generosity of this church that make the many ministries in this community and around the world possible. And I'm mindful today of our youth ministry and how they're traveling in a lot of ministries and missions around the world. It is your support that enables this to happen. And in their uh, stead, I give you thanks. Ushers, if you will.
gracious and loving God, receive our gifts as tokens of our gratitude for your goodness to us. Bless these gifts so they become seeds of generosity, bringing life to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, God's grace is sufficient uh, when two and more are gathered, and we have certainly more than two. God's grace is with us. God's grace is enough. So may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us now and forevermore.